The following audio is from the King's Chapel. You can find out more about our church at thekingschapel.org. Beautiful. As always, uh, the uh, Spirit of the Living God is in His kindness and grace according to His promise here where two or three are gathered in His name, He's there in the midst. And uh, just to say, I'm going to pray just for a moment for a young lady, a uh, uh, 19-year-old with pneumonia, and we know in this, this time of year this is tough stuff. If you could just bow your heads for a second to pray. Lord, I, I do uh, thank you for all those that are uh, uh, here this morning and that we can join together in solidarity before you to ask you to help this young lady to heal her. And uh, we know of others, Lord, that are homeless and in difficult situations, and we just pray that you'll uh, lead us and guide us in this regard, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, quickly, not uh, really a subject or connected to the sermon, uh, this week I had a situation where I uh, received information that somebody was in a pretty desperate place, and they were going to do something very good, but they needed $260, and I just want to tell you, that without getting into it or giving anything away, I walk into the men's ministry, and uh, someone hands me a check. I mean, this is pretty much hours after I'd gotten this call, a check, uh, 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 let's say a, 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 an amount of money, about $250. They just hand it to me as I walk in the door, and we were, you were able to help that individual. Uh, I had other ways of handling it, and we were going to, and your name, God bless you, is known in the area for generosity and love. I'm overwhelmed at what you do, and that he so precisely, you know, we, we talked some weeks ago about given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give in to your bosom. And that, that's what happened that morning. I already had a plan. I, I don't want to tell you what the plan was, but the Lord put the money right in my hands. So there you go. God is at work. He hears our prayers. He hears the cries of his beloved children. Times sometimes get tough, but uh, when things seem their darkest, Jesus Christ is more than able to handle the story. This morning, we're going to point to a guy who um, was a man with a plan. It was the Apostle Paul, and essentially what his plan was, and I can say a lot about this, is something that he says in uh, Philippians. He said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Is that a prosperity gospel thing there? Is that what that is? You know, name it, claim it. I have suffered the loss of all things. Wow. And I count everything as, as nothing because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the, that loss and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What did he want to do? What was his plan in life? It was to gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What was the plan? What was the purpose? Where was the power to come from? The Holy Spirit of the living God, the very Spirit of the living Christ that, and that, that I may know him 
Be friends with Jesus. What a promise that is. In the power of his resurrection, life change, now and in the world to come. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. We can all identify with that, certainly. But I press on. Here's the plan. I press on and make it my own. That's what I want. I want to experience the resurrection. When I die, I want to go to be with him. And while I'm here on the earth, I want to reach my world. Those of you that have been with us low these many weeks, I don't know about you, but we're getting right to the end. I have experienced a sense of loss. You become friends with this guy. You have a sense of him. You have a sense of what he went through. It's kind of awful and wonderful at the same time. And you grow close to him. And to stop this, it's like I'm going to be losing a friend here in another week or two. So just be prepared. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. He had a goal in his life. He had a plan. There was a purpose for what he was doing. The prize of the upward call of God. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. He's a coach. He's a teacher. He's a fiery evangelist and apostle. And he is describing the very life of Jesus Christ coming into the believer. He's saying, I can't trust in the law of God. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, etc. Because the permutations of that and the perfections of it are so beautiful and so amazing, we cannot attain it in our own strength. None of us gets it all right. If we printed our thoughts on the sky this morning, it would be an embarrassment and a humiliating and a shameful moment. But better than that, Jesus Christ took all of our junk on himself on Calvary's tree out of love for you and me. So what was Paul's point? That I may know him in the power right now of his resurrection. That change may be affected in me. Mark's leading this morning was to talk about that just momentarily and about the champion. The champion will never be Bill Jeske. But it is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has been so kind and wonderful to me. When we start this particular passage, we'll do about roughly 15 verses. And it's about, that was from a Philippians, just an amazing letter that Paul, of course, if we want to model our lives after him, was writing from a prison. Had he attained what he wanted? Did he have what he desired? What he would desired could be found in a prison, an intimate relationship with Christ, and then ultimately a resurrection with him. But he was a man of a, a, with a plan, and the plan was to preach, tell people about his love for the Lord, to the lost, there's the LP, preach, to the lost, those who don't know him yet and don't know the excitement and the wonder of a revelation with him, a relationship with him as well. And the plan was to preach L to the lost, A-N, in all nations. Preach to the lost in all nations. And this guy was a wild man. He takes off from his hometown, if you will, really of Jerusalem. And we've gone three trips with him we're now on a fourth trip as he heads for the capital of the world. And some believe there was one more trip 
Uh, some of our scholars today think that he then went, after he was released from prison in Rome, he then goes to Spain. I mean, it was to the uttermost parts of that particular world to preach the gospel. You talk about a determination and a plot and a plan in the best sense of the thing, that he might know Christ and that he might make him known. That was our original motto here. You know, uh, uh, it, it says this. He says in 2 Timothy, as he describes the plan, as for you always, he's talking to Timothy. He's uh, talking out of a prison. He says, always be. This is for you. Always be sober-minded, thoughtful. Endure suffering, because that's part of what you're going to endure if you desire to live godly. That is a promise in Scripture. Those who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Timothy, my beloved son, he's saying, this was his son, for those of you that don't know, a spiritual son. He said, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ, and then I want you out there. Because the plan for you is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and certainly in the towns to which I direct you. And it's going to be tough, and you're going to suffer. And if you follow Timothy's life, he dealt with a lot of anxieties. It was a fearful time. It's always fearful for the Christian of courage and compassion that goes out into the highways and byways to compel people to come in. For I am, Paul says, already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. Mark will be covering this, I think, uh, uh, just in a couple weeks. I'm suspecting that I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Three very positive F words. I have fought, finished, and kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me, here's what he's planning to get and where he's going, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Let me read this to you. There was a... a um, we're in Acts chapter 28. They've just been safely been brought through a horrible storm. And by the interposition of the Lord's angel and the wisdom that Paul had and the centurion that really was in charge of this, the ship, in, in essence, kneeling and bowing before Paul, not in, in reality, not physically, but in terms of he saw in Paul Jesus and Paul was right every time he spoke as a true prophet of God. Don't go here. Don't go out to the sea. Stop this. Do this. If you guys get off this ship, you're all going to perish. But if you listen to me, every single one of you will be saved because an angel spoke to me about that. You'll remember that's where we've been. And here it says in Acts 28 verse 1, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island that they landed at was called Malta. The native people, there may be a map back there, guys. If there's not, no problem at all. It'll just give them an idea where, where it was. You'll see a Malta, tiny little thing today. I think it's one of the smallest countries in the world. Uh, uh, there it is. They float through. It's tiny, but it's notable. Its people were real warriors during World War II. I think it was a British possession, and it's a pretty impressive Place. And while I'm looking at the map, that tiny little place is right under the boot of Italy. They'll, there you'll see it up there. They'll go through a famous city, which is Syracuse, a notable city in its time, then to Regium, then up to when, when the, the, the apostle says Puteoli, he is referring to 
the, the, the front porch, if you will, nautically of Rome. It was the port city, the opening where all the boats were being done and repaired. When we note that, then the three taverns, just a town, then on to Rome. God, in his providence, had chosen Paul for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He was determined to follow the Lord. He had no personal capacity to get in with the emperor of basically the known world at that time. But God, as we all know, used a set of circumstances to take him where God wanted him to go. Now, is God a respecter of persons? Is it not possible that he has an equally precise plan for your life, a desire for you, something that he wants you to do and to be? Is it possibly unique? Is it possibly shaped just for you? And as the old commercial song said, there's nobody else exactly like you. No one, Shara, exactly like you. That was one of our former missionaries sitting back there this morning. We're so glad to have you here, and I love you. You're, you're my girl. I'll, I'll share, share that. Um, here they are, and the plan is in effect, and I think there's a plan and a protection and a, 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 a prophetic notion that you are uniquely made for what he's made you for. You won't play guitar just because it was your own great idea. Someone put that love in your mind and in your fingers. And here's Paul, back to him. They're on Malta, and they, as you know, he's been shipwrecked on Malta. It's awful. As a young man, I, I uh, <laughs> was taught to sail boats. I think it was in the Chesapeake Bay. It may have been partly in the Atlantic. I have no idea. I'd like it to be in the Atlantic because it sounds more uh, uh, familiar, but it was down in Norfolk. My brother and I are there. We're out on two boats. One was called the Gannet. Uh, one was called the Mob Jack. We're, we're the captains of our crew. Holy smoke, that's the scariest thing I ever said in public to anyone. We're the captains of these sailboats, and a gale wind comes through, and the things are both knocked down flat. We look like idiots. We failed the sailing course. We embarrass our parents and everyone around us and we're out there bobbing in the waves hoping and praying that the police boat will show up and take us out before we freeze. So I know a little bit about floating out there in the sea and seeing my ship go down. Not for the last time. I, I hope they were able to repair it. But the bottom line was this. Paul has done that and they've landed on a very rocky coast and they come out of the water. And it says on Malta, the native people, and you'll see this repeated uh, numerous times, this idea. The native people showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had be been begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, in my, my tapes, the things I listen to in preparation for these things, listen to every day, they go, no doubt. I don't know what country that was. I guess that's the Malta accent I'm doing so perfect. No doubt this man is a murderer. Oh, it's interesting. Their idea or their goddesses or their gods saw a relationship between acts and uh, between, in a sense, omens and reality. They thought in their, uh, that God had put somehow in them the idea that we reap what we sow. And they see Paul there. He's exhausted. And I want you to note a few things before we get back to the snake. He's there. And the first thing he does with the people is he's gathering wood. The Apostle Paul. 
one of the great men who has ever lived on the planet, and what is he doing? Similar to Bob Wenger and so many of you, you guys are servants. You're unbelievable. He's there bringing wood. He's helping people. I wanted to bring up to you what happened to him, the kind of person God uses to work out his plan. You will always see a servant spirit in this. Brian Roberts, he was promoted all the way up, way up high in the United States Marine Corps. God bless him. I'm extremely jealous, and he's irritating for that reason. And he always looks all muscular and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset about that as well. But having said that, how did he get where he got? Jesus Christ. And a plan and effect. And everywhere he went, he just started jumping out. I knew a, a woman, just a wonderful woman. She was a musician. Her name was Harriet. And Miss Heath, if you hear this, I love you and thank you. Harriet Heath was a uh, music teacher of a school in Portsmouth, Virginia that's now been destroyed. But in this small and in essence benighted town, something was going on in the school. The music groups she directed were unbelievable, literally unbelievable. These were poor people, the common man, and yet they came together and sang a song. And they became, in essence, known in part in the United States. They were commanded or asked to come to certain large expos and expositions to show off their wares. And Mrs. Heath, was like Paul. She was a servant. You'd see her office and it was filled with trash and stuff because she was moving so fast. But this 29-year-old woman was the head of the Virginia Choral Director Society. And her kids were amazing. But here's what I experienced now looking back in her. Why do I mention her? Because she was the servant of all. And she was passionate about what she did. She took it very seriously because she was a person with that God had planned to put something in. What is not, should not be surprising to you is that her dad, who, who was uh, someone she admired, was a Methodist minister. In other words, he was a Christian. And when I would hear songs in this public high school, you would hear songs like this, two girls, I think both of which won the Bland Memorial Scholarship, the top female singers in the state, and they sang. And what did they say? I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and pray. Lay down your, lay down your weary head and rest it on me. Rest everything on me. There was the most tender chorus of thinking about the love of Jesus Christ Jesus says, I am this dark world's light. I found in him, these girls sang, two of them. The whole auditorium is filled. You can hear a pin drop as they give forth out of their heart. These two beautiful voices in a tough little town giving out the gospel and love of Christ. Lay down your weary head, lay down, lay it upon my chest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, Jesus said, and you will find rest for your soul. Well, if that wasn't bad enough in that public high school in America, how dare they? There was a boy that stood up in the gym. The place was packed. It was rocking with people. And everything stops and a microphone comes out and he begins to sing a young baritone. He sang this, I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe that somewhere in the darkest night, a candle glows. I believe for everyone who goes astray, someone will come to show the way. I believe. I believe. I believe above the storm, the smallest prayer 
will still be heard. I believe that someone in the great somewhere hears every word every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf or see the sky, then I know why I believe. Amazing, isn't it? That's the teleological argument, the argument that what we see around us wasn't made by itself and it is an act done by the hands of God fashioned to show us that there is something out here bigger than I. And when I hear a newborn baby's cry, my theology grows leaps and bounds. When I see Mrs. Heath working and, and, and coding these people with love, and you hear the voices of song pointing to the Savior, and she was not ashamed of herself. In everything she did, she went up. She became the head of, head of music in the city of Portsmouth. She became the head of a certain section of a local, not so local college, but a, a college here in the state of Virginia. Everything God did in God's plan, he used her and put his hand on her. Is it not the same? How can we not say it about the Apostle Paul? A servant heart and a centurion picks up and listens very carefully to what he has to say. Paul goes into the fire. He's been doing the servant thing. He that would be great among you must be servant of all. It was God's plan. Even the snake comes out. Oh my gosh, where is your God now, Bill? He puts his hand down there. Doesn't he care enough about his servant not to have him bit by some kind of snake? Well, as best we can tell, going through the list of states, I'm no herpetologist, and I don't even know what that word means. But this thing latched on. As best we can tell, it was probably a cat viper or cat snake. And and its fangs were way back in the mouth, so it probably had a pretty good grip on him. In all likelihood, it wasn't going to kill him. It was a venomous snake. But as, as you sort through all the snakes on the island, this is kind of what the thinking is. But the bottom line is the people know that certain snakes make you explode. And they said, this guy is a murderer. He's done something wrong. The goddess, they had a goddess on Malta they liked it's for natural kind of things. The goddess has seen and is punishing him. But after a few minutes... When nothing happens to him, they change their tune. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Their goddess was named justice. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. What a symbol that is for the believer. No matter what dark forces come up against us, God can enable us to shake it off. To believe that there is a plan and effect even in the prisons of Rome and in Roman chains that God can accomplish His purposes even in a corrupt America. Yes, He can. So fear not. I say this on purpose. I don't want any of you fearing anything. God finally is the blessed controller of all things and He will have His way not only in our country but in our world and His people will have the Spirit of the living God poured out on them in, in, in the same way the Apostle Paul had it. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. So even the bite of snake served to impact 
that particular community. Now we go on now in the neighborhood of the place where land's belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius. He brings it before the head of a nation. There it is again. Kings and governors. And Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably, hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, which can kill you. And Paul is invited to visit with him. And then he is kindly asked to pray for Publius. He visited him, Publius' father, and putting his hands on him, he hailed him, he healed him. The Lord Jesus has a plan for Paul, and the plan at this moment is in his hand. Perhaps it's the hand that was bitten by the serpent. Perhaps there's something there for us. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God can forgive that and empower the hand that has been used for dark deeds to do wondrous miracles. Yes, he can. And when he put hands on him, he healed him. When this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. God had changed their hearts from believing this murderer was being punished by a viper to believing that God was with this group of people who trusted in Christ. The Apostle Paul, Luke, I think Aristarchus, don't quote me, but I think that was one of the others that was with them. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. They reaped what they sowed. When they sowed goodness, they reaped a form of glory and certainly sustenance. After three months, we set sail in a ship, ship that had weathered in, uh, and wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as figurehead. The sailors loved the twin gods of Zeus, so they'd put them on their ships to protect them. Well, with Paul there, they didn't need that help. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium, and after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli, uh, that, that port of Rome we described earlier on the map, there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. God had a plan for Paul's life. And his plan is that he is going to touch the very hearts of the Praetorian Guard and Caesar's people. And we don't have direct evidence, but there is an idea that in some sense he stood ultimately before the emperor. The bottom line is all of the emperor's troops at one time or or at least in the guard, uh, many of them were linked to him by a chain. Even that chain did not bind him, did it? Because in the plan of purpose and purpose of God, it was the Lord's destiny for Paul that he would speak words of love and encouragement at the very top of the food chain in his world. What has he made you for? What has he created you to be? Is he big enough to take you from where you are and put you where he wants you to be? As Harriet Heath had that audacity to speak the name of Jesus through her music in her world. God prompted her to do next steps. And the next steps were she, in essence, ruled the city. In a sense, for Christ, because she's Christ's person. And then a university, in a certain sense. What about you? What about you? What has he made you for? What is the plan? And I can tell you what it is this far. It is for you to be sober-minded.
not, 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 not be a person who never smiles, but someone that thinks deeply about life and why am I here on this planet. Be prepared to endure suffering. That's part of the game. Do the work of an evangelist. Live as if God himself could speak through you and heal and speak to the heart of those you're around. And finally, fulfill your ministry. And the idea of ministry is service. Let's bow our heads to pray. Lord, we thank you that we believe. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Lord, as this dark world's light use us to reflect and magnify your glory. And for the people in this room, help them to seek you for your plan and purpose for them, not only in the general, but in the very specific. And Lord, if there's even one in this room who has never received Jesus Christ, all you have to do is raise the hand of your heart and say, God, have mercy on me, sinner, pardon and forgive me. Come into my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And he will hear that prayer, even if what I said just resonated with your heart. And if that's what you want, he hears your heart. And you are right now in this moment being transferred from death to life. A wounded hand by a viper has now been healed to use for healing in our, in our world.